0: I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Very exciting day. We've hit episode 50, woo! Half a century. It's been a long way, not really, it's been about a year. But... If this is a weekly podcast I have so advertised, that means we are only a few weeks away from hitting the year mark. And just from the little quirks of how I ran things last summer. I don't think we're gonna hit the year mark in exactly episode fifty-two or fifty-three, but we're coming close. Uh so whoever's listening, thank you for listening. Uh it's been a lot of fun doing this. And Uh, Over the summer, I might see if I can put some changes into the format or something, but as of now, we're just going to keep talking about sports like we always have, Uh, and we'll continue, although the summer, you know, is a little slower than the normal year. All we've got right now is baseball and baseball, but of course there are other stories happening around the world of sports, plus uh, the World Cup's happening right now, uh, which we're going to get to a little bit. I'll do as much as I can uh, later. Uh, so, without further ado, why don't we get underway for this week? And what are we going to start with? We are going to start with the news that Kawhi Leonard, the superstar on the San Antonio Spurs, wants out. This news, i uh, Think it it actually broke when I was on a car ride home from where I was last week. Uh, I was we we came and I don't have cellular data on my iPad, which was all that I had at the time. And so I stopped at a rest stop, turned on the Wi-Fi, and my phone was blowing up from from group chats about Kawhi uh, expressing that he wanted to leave, and blah blah blah. This is an interesting situation if I've ever seen one. Um, Kawhi Leonard is a foundational player. Uh, He's drafted out of San Diego State, I believe, in 2011. He's developed into a complete two-way player, a true two-way player, not only on the offensive end, his isolation game and everything, working in the Spurs system, but also on the defensive end, one of the best lockdown defenders, one-on-one defenders, in the entire league, however, he hasn't. Or for all the praise that has been lavished on him for his selflessness, for his uh, lack of talking with the media, um, and, and the isolationness that you kind of need as a superstar athlete if you want to stay out of the limelight, which he clearly uh, wants to accomplish. Um, he hasn't had gone without drama this year. He suffered, or he had that injury uh where, you know, he, he was out the whole year. He had his own team doc or he had his own doctors aside from the team doctors. And the Spurs wanted to know what's going on. His his team kept saying, look, no, we're not gonna tell you what's going on. And he missed uh the whole year as a result or most of the year as a result of that. This is kind of a change of pace from the Kawhi we're used to and and I'm kinda like I'm kinda liking it. He's kind of Going into the pettiness of the rest of the league, but now he wants to trade out, and this is going to shake the balance of power in the in the league a hundred percent. Not only will the Spurs have to decide where they want to go from here, because they were a seventh seed this year, uh, got swept by the Warriors or lost four- one to the Warriors in the first round. If they get rid of Kawhi, they just have LaMarcus Aldridge and some young pieces, which is not enough for you to contend for a championship in today's NBA. So I would not be surprised to see LaMarcus Aldridge shipped out at some point if Kawhi is to leave. Um, And the Spurs aren't necessarily a rebuilding franchise, but Pops aging, Um, the, the heart of that team is gone, or will be gone most likely. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Spurs starting to have to rebuild in a few years. Now, as far as Kawhi himself, there has been a bunch of places that have been rumored for Kawhi to go. And, of course, conflicting sources saying where where he's going. I particularly, like everyone else, am intrigued by the possibility of him going to L.A., become a you know super team quote-unquote with LeBron and Paul George and I would not be surprised Um, honestly the way the league is headed right now these stars understand that even if they want a max deal or, or or a super max deal one of them is gonna have to take a pay cut in order to contend for a championship and in this case, I don't know who it would be. I haven't looked specifically at the salary cap yet or deal for the Lakers. But the Lakers have a bunch of pieces they can ship out. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, Alonzo Ball, um, you know, no one else is coming to mind right now. But the point of Julius Randle, the point is they have pieces uh, that they can move that would entice, a team, or it would entice the Spurs to want to trade Kawhi Leonard. Now, if this were to happen, I think that team despite the Warriors' existence, still becomes the favorite um, in the West. Just because of the combination of the Kawhi being able to stop people, and then imagine LeBron with an actual supporting cast having two superstars under his belt. I think that gives Paul George a little more freedom to work uh, that he didn't have necessarily in OKC. Uh, So I would be excited to see this team play. And it would make the Western Conference a lot more interesting along with the Rockets and the Warriors. Because right now the league is very top-heavy, as it has been the last decade or so. Uh, so, that, so that'd so that be fun to kind of diversify the talent pool a little bit. Now, there have been conflicting reports. Uh, Chris Sheridan uh, of Get More Sports says that there is, or he said three days ago, that there is a 0% chance that the Spurs trade Kawhi Leonard to a Western Conference team. Now, he does say that this could be an indirect route to LA and but there have also been reports that you know the Lakers uh Ramona Shell or no sorry uh, Mark Stein uh said that they would be the late the Spurs would be willing to trade Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers if the Lakers can put together a good deal, maybe bring in a third team uh courtesy Mark Stein. And I would not be surprised to see that. Once again, uh the Cavs at this free agency period when bonkers With their trades and we could see a similar situation with Kawhi because he's the kind of mover that gets teams talking. He's the kind of mover that demands this kind of attention this kind of um, just kind of squeezing stuff in to get everything to work. Another trade that has been brought up in this case by uh, James Herbert of CBS Sports that I, I think could be fun is Kawhi to Philadelphia. And of course, there's so much to say about that, but I think it just once again speaks to what the Sixers organization has been able to do the last couple of years, going from the worst team in the league, no question, to now competing for LeBron and Kawhi it is kind of a funny turnaround that I'd just like to point out. So that's Kawhi Leonard will be, of course, be keeping tabs on that throughout the free agency period. And and and. look forward to seeing wherever he goes next. Now, before I start this segment, I want to clarify that I am not a soccer expert or a football expert by any stretch of the imagination. The way my soccer fandom works is I root for the USA. I'm a diehard USA fan. I'll watch the World Cup qualifiers. I'll watch the Gold Cup. I'll watch the whatever other stuff there is. I forgot the other stuff. But, uh you know, and I'll root for my earthquakes, San Jose, shout out, but I, I don't watch it religiously. Um, I do play FIFA occasionally, not as much as my friends do, but you know what, I'm going to do my best. So the World Cup started on Thursday, pretty hype, four ti- once every four years, and uh, I'll be referring to 538 quality websites, just you look at it, sports, and numbers mushed together into one beautiful website. And they have released their World Cup predictions, and these are predictions from before the cup started, or from before the competition started. And their favorites were Brazil, Neymar's club, Spain, the 2010 champions, Germany, the 2014 champions, France, who hosted the Euros a few years ago and is stacked with talent, and of course, perennial competitors but never winners except for 50 years ago, England. Now. These sides all all have played their first games so far, first matches so far. And it's actually come out to be pretty interesting. Uh, The first match that was really exciting, uh, that I actually didn't get to see, but I saw, you know, the highlights and everything, which was Spain versus Portugal. And it was a great way to kick off the tournament. I think it was on opening day. And, you know, Ronaldo with a hat trick, uh, back and forth action. uh, Exciting to just show the world and everything, you know, lived up to the hype, and, uh, Brazil had a letdown against Switzerland, was not able to come away with the victory, Germany lost to Mexico in a stunner, very, uh, very exciting match, matchup, kind of tapped into the Mexican-American fandom, uh, here in the States, and then abroad, Mexico fans showed up out in full force. Uh, France was able to get a victory in their first game, and England pulled out a tight tight victory against Tunisia, which didn't really, or which gave, was a little sigh of relief for English fans, but did not really calm the nerves when they faced tougher competition. So, uh, what I want to talk about specifically is the effect it'll have on the United States, because as we well know, uh, I yelled about it, what, seven months ago? Uh, the United States did not qualify for this year's World Cup. And as a result, I'm guessing that viewership is going to drop a lot. But there is some some self-awareness. I've seen a few commercials on the tele of, say, Landon Donovan with his rooting for Mexico stuff. Or, you know, um, there was another one about how the U.S. didn't make it, so here you should root for our team, and it's a bunch of guys from, like, Belgium and, and Iceland and whatever. Uh, but I will be curious to see what the ratings are from this World Cup because it will show to, the, or to what extent uh, the perception of soccer has changed in the United States. Because we hear all this stuff about soccer has always been the sport of the future of the United States, uh, et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera, And yet we still can't produce – there is a time where we couldn't produce a World Cup-quality team. So, if the U.S. watches this World Cup, despite not being in it, it could be a sign of, thi- of things to come. If, if more people are interested in the game, more people are, are going to bring their kids into the game and want to develop their kids, and they'll show more resources being put toward uh, soccer uh, in, in this country. So, that could be a benchmark for, for, this, for the United States as far as how far soccer has gone. In this time. So the group stage for the World Cup continues from now until June 28th, and tomorrow we've got some some good action at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, Portugal, Morocco, at 11 p.m. Pacific, 2 Eastern, Spain and Iran Group B action, uh, and we'll continue to have good matchups all the way until the 28th of June. So, that puts us, what, uh, around next week or so? So I will be back to, now that I will have time to watch more games, I will be back to talk about the World Cup and its happenings. The next topic has been a continuing storyline throughout, basically forever, or at least for American history. Um, Most recently in sports, it's been the last, you know, uh, about decade, four or five years, half decade. And that is the issue of police relations and race in the United States. Milwaukee Bucks guard Sterling Brown uh, a while ago was or had a stun gun used against him during an arrest. And he is now suing the city of Milwaukee and suing the Milwaukee Police Department for the incident, saying that, according to ESPN, they used excessive force and that they targeted Brown because he is black. Of course, this is a microcosm of what happens in many communities in this country every day, and that is racial prejudice rearing its ugly head yet again. Uh, and, and showing up in our in our communities, because uh we have officers many that many good officers, but also many officers that view people differently because of their race and use different procedures because of their race. I hope what this case is able to do uh and I think similarly what the brown camp hopes this case will do is it will bring more light to the issue, because of the person who is facing the injustice. When you have the Eric Garner case, the Michael Brown case, these are just people that we have never heard of before, and as a result, there's not going to be a. There's obviously going to be the people that are going to support them because they feel or can see the injustices. And yet this is a player that already is going to have a built-in fan base, a built-in support system in addition to those people. And so I think what could happen as a result is you start to see um, more people realizing, maybe people that support Brown but previously didn't support Brown or Garner, and are going to switch over because they say, look, this is happening to quote-unquote one of us. This is going to happen if this happens to him. Um, It's the same situation, even though he's famous, the same situation that would happen to another black man or another person of color uh, on an indescript city block. And the Milwaukee mayor has a similar stance, Tom Barrett. He says that, quote, he's hopeful this incident will be a turning point and allow us to take actions necessary to improve police community relations. And, And I think that's the only real logical step to take away from here. Uh, you're not going to start, you're not going to make change immediately with laws or body cameras or, which body cameras actually helped in this case. I mean, everyone could see what happened to Brown and that he was uh, unfairly treated. But the only real way to fix this issue is to start a dialogue with your community between your police department and your citizens. Because, you know, I've seen something that really hit home. It's, the only place where you see, you know, hatred toward other people is where the people aren't. You don't see as much hatred in communities where it's diverse. And there's a reason for that is because you have interacted with those people firsthand and, and you know those people and you can counter uh, counter uh, stereotypes or. Things said about those people because you know them personally, you know a group, you don't just know one person, you know a group of those people, and you know that you can count in the generalizations. And if we could do that with police and community, it's incredibly idealistic. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight, but if we could start uh, breaking down those barriers, breaking down the inflammatory dialogue from, from everywhere, uh, we can start to make change. Uh, And I think hopefully this incident, as high profile as it is and as high profile a person, Sterling Brown is, uh, I hope we can start to move toward that. Now, we're, of course, still going to see these incidents. This is not even the end of this individual case. There's still there's still the lawsuit to come. There's still the fallout to come. Uh, But. Hopefully, this starts at least something. This year, and last year, the Warriors won the NBA Finals. No news there. News is that this core, this Hamptons 5, of the Warriors, in particular, Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green, will not be able to stay together forever. And we've had some, or the Warriors have had some, historically great contracts as far as return on investment to build this team and to get the two championships they've already had. But at some point, they're going to have to face a salary cap and they're going to have to face that they're going to have to pay these guys. It's not going to be an easy decision. Stephen Curry signed a Supermax deal last year. Durant has, or he's Bob Myers, the general manager of the Warriors, has said that Kevin Durant is going to get whatever he wants, which is going to be a huge deal. Uh, and then Klay Thompson will need to get a new, or Klay Thompson will need to get a new deal next year. And Draymond Green will need to get a new deal in two years. And both of those players are going to want a lot. Draymond Green has already said that he or is probably going to turn down a possible extension. In order to um, get a supermax deal, which is going to cost a lot of money, Clay Thompson has maybe may take an extension. I think he said that he's willing to take a pay cut, but the amount of pay cut he's going to have to take with two guys on supermax deals and whatever KD's deal is uh, is going to be pretty tough. So at some point, the Warriors have to start looking into the future and deciding what they're going to do with these players. I think you got to pay the guys whatever they want. Uh, The Warriors have said, you know, strength in numbers, we sacrifice this team, winning is first. But these are still human beings, and they're going to want the money. As far as who is going to get it, uh, Draymond's going to get it. Uh, He can get whatever he wants. His value to the Warriors is so much, not only on... Defense, where he's renowned for being able to play one through five, uh, being the heart and soul. Also, on offense, being able to distribute run plays, do everything except hit threes consistently, but you know, they have enough guys who can do that. Clay Thompson, similarly, he does provide a huge value to the Warriors, three and D, one of the best shooters that the game has ever seen. Um, but the, with the embarrassment of riches that the Warriors have talent wise. Uh it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with Clay Thompson once his deal comes to the table next year. If they they might have to let him walk. Uh if he wants if he demands a a super humongous contract, he's not eligible for Supermax, by the way, so he can't get it. But if he wants a super duper contract, the Warriors are gonna have to decide if they want him or Draymond, because Draymond is gonna uh Draymond is gonna have to get his Supermax deal in two years, and the Warriors know that. Uh and they're gonna have to pay him a lot of money. So as far as what happens, uh it's it's totally up to them, uh, as far as if they give Clay Thompson what he wants and possibly have to risk losing Draymond, uh which would be very rough for them, or having to hope Clay Thompson takes less, uh, which is definitely a possibility, and that's the ideal situation for them. And then be able to give Draymond the Supermax deal. That is gonna push the problem a few years down the road, uh, of course, to you know the 23, 24, or 2025 uh season seasons. Uh and, and there they're going to, everyone's gonna be starting to age, and the Warriors' reign will probably be over by then. But these players are heading into the tail end of their primes, so they're gonna to wanna to try to win a few more championships. Uh, and this how this de- how these deals shake out over the next few years. It is going to alter how the the NBA, how the balance of power in the NBA is. Last major topic today, uh, the Canelo-GGG fight is back on. Yay! Uh, It was set to happen in May, but drug tests failed by Canelo, and the fight got canceled. And now it's back on September 15th, their first fight. Ended in a draw. A controversial draw. Actually just went back on a little bit. In, a little bit of an internet spiral. Uh, look, list, looking at the controversial decision from Adelaide Bird. Uh, one of the judges who scored the fight 118-110 to Canelo and was ridiculed very much from the decision. Uh, highly recommended internet spiral if you guys have some time. But uh, so this this fight is going to have all the hype once again. Uh, I'm very excited. I will not be able to watch it because I don't buy pay-per-view. But I'm sure many of you will. So, good. Uh, I, this is going to be a great fight. Uh, right now, Gennady Golovkin is the early betting favorite of uh, via Bovada. He's at minus 190. Canelo's at plus 155, meaning Golovkin's a favorite. Uh, and so, a lot of Sports talk is going to be crazy on this, as we would expect. Uh, if you want something really entertaining, watch Stephen A. Smith in the build-up to the fight. Uh, he's, I do not understand how he's an official boxing uh, analyst, but, uh, you know, that's what ESPN needs to do because Teddy Atlas isn't enough to secure your entire A-block. So, uh, good, good talk. Uh, yeah, that was just pretty much a very, very short thing just to tell everybody that this is happening. Quick take, NBA draft coming up next Thursday, Friday. No, just Thursday, just Thursday. Uh, a few storylines. I don't know. Uh, if DeAndre Ayton's going to go number one, most talented big man we've had in a while, uh, he can shoot. He, he's humongous. Uh, he's ready to compete. But I think one player is actually underrated who's even more ready to go into the NBA draft is Luka Doncic. Um, I mean, I'm, I'll go more in-depth into this next week. Well like his years of pro experience have to count for something, right? Uh I think he is arguably the most pro ready prospect just on the sheer fact that he's played against professional basketball players before and none of these other USA guys have because they've just been playing other college players for the last year most of them. Uh so I think Doncic has the talent to go number 2 uh, to the Kings or number 3 to the Hawks. I think the Hawks would really benefit from him even though they suck a ton. Uh but a uh, huge talent in this year's draft. Uh, Jaron Jax Jr., Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton, Donchich. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk a lot about that next week after the draft. Uh, and tune in on Thursday on, I think, ESPN. Thanks much for listening to the long takes. This is the first time we've had a lot of topics in a while. Uh, now that the NBA playoffs have wrapped up, uh, do all things, the things, bit.ly slash thewongtakes, patreon.com slash Wong takes at gmail.com. Read the podcast, iTunes, Google Play, subscribe, send questions, leave voicemails, all of the above. Thanks so much for listening, and I will see you next week.